Welcome to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Ollie. And I'm Liam. And for those of you that don't know, or if we've got any new listeners, each episode and each week we take a topic that we know very little about and we just give ourselves the week to read and research all about it. The idea being that we do the hard work and then we share the most important pieces of information with you, our listeners. Definitely, Liam. And just so people know who are listening that we are not experts in anything that we talk about on this pod. It's just a summary of our findings. But hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you all, we can all learn a little bit more about a whole lot of things. Exactly. And this week is no exception. So this week's episode was our listener choice. We had a big vote going on. And this week, we are learning all about the stock market. Okay, Ollie, stock market this week, but I think we should start by thanking our listener that suggested it. Yes. So this episode was suggested by Dan Brereton, one of our OG fans, wasn't he? He's yeah, been, yeah. He's been around for a long time. He's been with us since day one. He must have suggested this for, this is our sixth listener choice episode. I reckon he suggested it four times and it finally won the vote. Yeah, easily, I think. And it, Got into the semi-finals a couple of times. I think it even got into the final uh, one time, but it just got pipped. But thankfully for Dan, it's come through. And this this week, we're all learning about the stock market. Yeah, he's um he's left us. We well, we asked him uh, about why he picked the episode and the topics. And this was the message that Dan sent us. So he said, "Hi Liam and Ollie, I hope you're both well. Thanks everybody who voted for my suggested topic on the stock market." The reason I chose the stock market is because it's something I think most people have heard of, but perhaps a lot of people don't know too much about. So I thought it'd be a good one for you both to get your teeth stuck into. Yeah, thank you very much for that, Dan. That's great. So we will crack on with this week's episode and hopefully do it justice for everybody that's listening. So here we are then, Liam. We normally start with what did you know or think about the topic before we got into it? What did you think about the stock market before you started your research this week? Um, th- this is one of those things I feel like I should know about. Um, I did a degree in accounting, so I sort of feel like I should know this. But just like everything, I, you know, you know bits and bobs of of, mo- of some things and you just don't know all of it. And there's a whole bunch of different things I found out this week. Fundamentally, I didn't actually realize how the stock market worked. So when I talk about it a bit later on, there is like a key part of the stock market that I didn't actually understand. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's been interesting learning. It's like, it's something that I'm interested in anyway. Um, you must know a lot about this. Isn't this your job, basically? Don't you just do <laughs> stock market all the time in your world of business? That's so funny. It just goes to show you don't know what my job is. <laughs> but you're right. Nobody knows. <laughs> so in, in terms of, yeah, I come from more of the business world, but yeah, I have some idea about the stock market and the stock exchange. I didn't know anything about the history, but some idea about why companies might want to be on it in the first place. But yeah, hopefully we can do it justice this week and we hope everyone enjoys it. Shall we kick off by saying the definition of it? Do you want me to give you a little bit of a definition of what the stock market actually is? Yeah, go for it. So I've got written down here in front of me that The stock market or stock exchange is a physical or digital place where investors can buy and sell stock or shares in publicly traded companies. 
and the price of each is driven by supply and demand. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, I completely agree. And you you use two two pairs of words there that are basically almost interchangeable nowadays. You use both the term stock market and stock exchange, which essentially are exactly the same thing nowadays. Yes. You also said stocks and shares, and now they are almost exactly the same thing as well. Yes. So you know when we you know, we might say stocks or shares when we're talking, we might say stock market, stock exchange. They're essentially the same thing. Yes. Um, originally, originally it was slightly different. A stock market is where where you would meet you would meet at the stock market to exchange stocks. <laughs> yes. So they were slightly different, uh, but you can see why they would become the same thing. You know, um, but yeah, they're pretty much interchangeable. And the the other part that I said there was in publicly traded companies. So these are companies that have gone through a process to allow members of the public to own a little part of them. And the way that they do that in the first place is they do something called an IPO, which is an initial public offering. And so just to go through that definition of what it is again, so stock market, stock exchange, it's the physical or digital place where investors can buy or sell stocks or shares of publicly traded companies. I don't know, do you actually have a definition of what a share is? Yeah, so a share essentially represents a small piece of ownership in a company. So if you bought a share in Apple, for example, you'd own a very small part of that business. Now, if their shares are for sale and somebody owns 50 plus percent of them, essentially they're in charge, aren't they? Because you know we all own a little bit, but this guy owns more than half. So each share is worth a vote, if, essentially, and... You know, if there are 10 million shares up for sale, but one person's got 5 million and one of them, they're essentially in, in charge. And just to give some idea, when you say you own a, a small share of that company, so there are 17 billion Apple shares. So there's a <laughs> lot of shares that they've that they've created, but it can be a, a lot, lot less. It's normally more in like the hundreds or, or tens of millions um, of shares that you can get within a company. That's the important part. It's it's quite significant as well. So the in the definition there, we also said that the price of the shares are driven by the supply and demand. And I, I suppose the, the significance of that is that it it represents the free market. So it's it's quite significant that it's people are buying things at the value that somebody's willing to, to sell them. So it's where that price point is met for whatever reason, somebody's wanting to sell something, somebody's wanting to buy something. Maybe somebody's thought, I've made enough money on this share, I've held it for a little bit of time, I've made some profit, so now I'm going to sell it on and um, I pass it on to somebody else. The other reason why people then also buy shares is if you own a small share within the company, you get paid something called a dividend. So the companies, they'll be looking at rewarding people who own a little bit of a share of them, and at the end of the year, They'll give them a small dividend back, almost like a thank you for investing in us. Here's a little bit of money. And then that encourages more people, if there's a bigger dividend, to invest more in the company. But it's where you were saying about that 49% ownership, that's a key part in terms of like who owns the business and what that then means in terms of more shares, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, first of all, you know, why would a company sell any shares in the first place? Um, you know, that because that's you're essentially giving away part of your company, aren't you? 
you know, imagine I own a company and I want to sell a few shares in it. And I decide, right, I'm going to, I'm going to make 50 shares available. I'm going to keep 26 of those shares to myself, but 24 people could buy some shares. It, it's basically, it's a, it's a way of um, like raising capital, isn't it? Yes. Raising money to invest in your company. And you, you know, you're backing yourself that although I don't own the whole thing now, I now have got to give these 24 people perhaps a little cut of my profits um, but that is why they would choose to do it in the first place. And that's important. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're, they're effectively giving away a part of their company, aren't they? Giving away their expected future earnings. They're saying to them, um, if you like what my company does, if you believe in it, then why don't you buy to have a little bit of a share of it? And then when we do well in the future, you'll get some of the profits back or hopefully the, the company will then continue to grow. And then you can sell on that share for even, even more money. But it's it's very much around confidence, isn't it? And so if if that company becomes more successful, then the share price will go up, and then there'll be more people who'll be wanting to buy that share because it's gone up and it goes up in a cyclical motion. But it can yeah. very much come crashing down the other way, can't it? Yeah, we'll t- we'll probably talk about some reasons in a bit. But yeah, you know, if if lots of people are selling shares in my company, then lots of other people will start selling shares in my company, and then you know, you get into, a, you get a bit of trouble. Um, right. I, I just should just say this then. So people buying and selling these shares, right? So you're on the stock market, you've got these shares for sale, right? You go to the stock market to buy some shares or, or typically now it's done remotely, isn't it? It's done online on an app. Um, yep. You know, uh, in the back in the day, you, you would go there or there would be somebody there for you to buy and sell your shares. I, <laughs> so I always thought that, it, take, let's assume Walt Disney, right? 10,000 of their shares get bought today. I always thought that meant that Walt Disney have have put up 10,000 more shares. Now I'm thinking, if Walt Disney is selling 10,000 shares every day, does that mean there's now millions and millions and millions of Walt Disney shares for sale? Yeah. Does that make sense? So, yep. so how can Mr. Walt Disney still be in charge of Walt Disney if he's giving away shares every day? Well, here's the fundamental key about what's happening in a stock market. The shares that are being sold are only being sold between people who, like people who want to sell their shares and people who want to buy some shares. It's not the company. They've already given up their shares. Somebody else has got them by now. If I want to sell my share in Disney, you're buying it off me. And equally, equally, if I want to buy it off you, I'm not buying a share in Disney from Disney. I'm buying it off you. Yes. Yeah, that's right. It's like the, the pie is only so big. And say, for example, in your Disney example, if, if they owned half of the pie, so they, they've still got you know control in, in the company, that remaining part of the pie is the bit that's cut up into millions of different slices, and those slices are being cha- exchanged by general public or by other companies yeah. or on these exchanges that, that exist. Yeah, you're not, you're not buying your share off of Disney. You're no. buying your share off of someone who wants to sell a share in Disney. Yes. You know, if, if you went onto the stock exchange today to buy shares in Apple, the only way you're getting a share is because someone else wants to sell a share in Apple. Yes. That is absolutely fundamental. And I did not know that. I thought you would just, Apple would just sell more shares, but that is not what's happening. No, there, there is, there is a, a process where if companies want to make that pie bigger, they want to um, increase the size of the pie they can, and they could issue more shares. But what it effectively does is it dilutes the value of all the other shares that, that are in the market. Yeah. So you can split yeah. stock, but that's a process that we don't need to get into or talk about today. Um, so 
that's sort of what's happening. There's a lot more than just a single stock exchange, isn't there? Our episode, I think we've probably called it the stock exchange or the <laughs> stock market, as if there's only one. Yeah. And there isn't. No, it turns out there are about 60 stock exchanges around the world. So there are different importance and significance, but there are around about 60 stock exchanges around the world. And some of the ones that people might have heard of are maybe the New York Stock Exchange, the London Stock Exchange, the NASDAQ. Um, what are the ones that are probably worth notable mentions? Um, I've got down like the top five stock exchanges are the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ, which is also in America. They are both miles, miles bigger than everybody else. But then you've got the Shanghai Stock Exchange, the Tokyo Stock Exchange and the Shenzhen Stock Exchange. They are, they'd be the top five in terms of total value traded. On the New York Stock Exchange, there's a, about one and a half trillion shares. Uh, sorry, one and a half trillion dollars worth of shares are traded every month. Wow. Yeah. So that's right. Absolutely nuts. And shall I tell you then that I, I found what the smallest stock exchange is? I reckon I've got a smaller one than this. But go on, you sell me yours. I reckon I've got a smaller one. <laughs> well, mine's my one is uh, legally the smallest one, which is the Seychelles Stock Exchange. And that that has a market cap. So about in terms of the value and the, the amount of money that's going through it of about 100 million US dollars. So you were saying how many trillions was the, the New York Stock Exchange? So the New York Stock Exchange trades about one and a half trillion dollars a month. But it has a value of all of its shares of like north of two uh, of north of twenty trillion dollars. Okay, and then the Seychelles one at hundred million. There's a little bit of a difference there. So yeah, go on, tell me what's your what's your stock exchange? The the Somalian Pirate Stock Exchange. <laughs> okay, I don't know this one. So what they're doing there is they're investing, and this is really this is very similar to how the stock exchange started, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> That basically, what you do is you, you're investing in, in a pirate ship. And then if the pirate ship does well on its, you know, when Rebels. it goes off kidnapping people and stuff, yeah. Uh, if it does well, then you get a dividend. You get a cut of their profits. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe not an official stock exchange there. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if we've got any Grand Theft Auto fans out here. So NASDAQ is an American stock exchange. It stands for the National Association of Securities Dealers Automated Quotations. Rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? Probably why it's called the NASDAQ. Do you know what the Grand Theft Auto stock exchange is called? No, I don't know that one. Yeah, I'm not, I won't say it, but it's B-A-W-S-A-Q. So obviously Grand Theft Auto is known for like taking things to the edge a little bit and being a bit, you know, out there. It's the B-A-W-S-A-Q. That's what their stock exchange is called, which is hilarious. <laughs> and, but anyway. these stock, stock exchanges and stock markets, they don't do it just for the fun of it. They're, they're not just there like in a non-profit capacity, helping people exchange these different stocks and shares. They're doing it because it's serious business themselves. So, for example, yeah. the, the London Stock Exchange, that has revenues of six and a half billion pounds a year and their profit is just over three billion or it certainly was in 2021 so they made nearly three billion but there's yeah the, the, the stock exchanges the way they make their money is that you've um you need to pay to be part of it and then 
also the stock exchanges they take transaction fees as well don't they so there's there's lots yeah. of ways that the, the stock markets the stock exchanges actually make money yeah the new york stock exchange can be like three hundred thousand dollars to list your shares and then you have to pay about seventy one thousand dollars a year just to be on it okay uh, and then they take a cut of about 0.4 of a cent per share you know that they make up there's lots of money you know if you're selling 10 million shares and and they're going to take 0.4 of a percent of a share that's like a lot of money yeah I, I suppose they'll be saying they'll be providing the service where it then actually happens and the platforms and security and everything that goes into it but yeah they're, they're making some some decent money yeah as we we're saying the so the london stock exchange was 3.2 billion did you did you see some other names out there like the I know you mentioned the NASDAQ then, but then there's also the FTSE, like sometimes get quoted like a performance, like the FTSE 100 or the FTSE yeah. 250. Or, or the Dow Jones index, things yeah. like that. Yeah, all those sorts of words that are to do with the stock exchange. Um, it turns out they're just like, all they are, there's, they're groups of companies, aren't they? And they're, they're just being tracked. So it'd be like, like it would be a, an index would be a group of com- similar companies, maybe tech companies, or blue chip companies or mining companies or yep. something like that. And they're all put into this group and then their performance overall is tracked. And then that can help with investment. Um, you know, if, if you know, to know whether to invest in, in a, in a tech company, for example. Yeah, exactly. What does FTSE yeah. stand for though? I, um, yeah, I didn't realize that the, the FTSE actually stands for the financial Times stock exchange 100 index or the financial Times stock exchange 250 index. So the FTSE 200, okay. FTSE 250 and as you say it's just the financial times just for forever they've been tracking a group of performing companies and it just gives an indication of how the market is doing overall I just found that quite interesting are they are they the top 100 companies is that why it's the FTSE 100 are they the 100 biggest companies I believe so that they are they, they, I believe they're put in as like a barometer of the economy as a whole, which okay. is which is why they're in there. And they can change; they can go in and can go out. Um, but yeah, they, they, as you say, they can be grouped into different subsets as well. So we've said, right? We, we know what what the stock exchange is. There's, and we've said there's lots of them. So something I googled then, or, or looked into at least, was why would you be on like? Can a company sell on more than one? And if not, why would you be on one over the other one? You know, are they are these like like shopping centers? If you've got a company you want to sell something, you just <laughs> yeah, put okay. it in all of them. Yeah. Because because then you sell more. Is it better to be in one and the you know, is it difference between being in like Howard's in London, putting your shop in yeah. there versus yeah. some random place in the middle of nowhere shopping centre. What well, almost is it like is there, is there some prestige on being on one to the other or yeah. some benefit of being on one to the other? Yeah, and it well, it turns out there is basically, doesn't it? And um, um we were we got a bit caught up about whether you could be on more than one, didn't we? And uh we don't think you can in but there probably are a few exceptions to that. <laughs> there is something called a dual listing. So you can have a dual listing. It doesn't seem that it's a very popular option for things to do. Some of you might be able to clear this up for us, but I think I believe the reason why people don't do it is because it's so easy nowadays, just with the internet and how everything is all joined up and digital, 
if you wanted to go and buy some Apple stock from the NASDAQ, you would go to a broker in the UK or just buy it via a platform and it's all just connected and they would just buy it for you from the NASDAQ. So it's not like you then need to go there and get it. But the, so the different stock stock exchanges, there is there is like a, a different they're perceived differently, aren't they? So particularly, let's take the New York Stock Exchange and the Nasdaq. They're two massive ones. The Nasdaq is known for technology, innovation, up and coming companies. It's cheaper to be on, so you know lower you know, companies with less money will be on it up and coming ones. Whereas the New York Stock Exchange, which costs more money, tends to be really established generational businesses that have been around forever, yep. industrial, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, if you were to choose which one to go on, you might think it may be not quite so much nowadays, but you might decide, well, you know, we're doing this. So perhaps we want to be with everybody else in, in yeah. the NASDAQ. Do you have any idea? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to this. Do you have any idea in the fees difference? Is it big? Um, yeah, I said a minute. Yeah. So it's, it's, it is. And then the initial fee on the NASDAQ is $50,000. The initial fee on the New York Stock Exchange is 300,000. Yeah, so okay. that's a lot of, you know, if yeah. you're just starting or you're just deciding to sell some shares in your business, or also if you, you know, if you're a new business, do you even have 50,000? Can you even get on the NASDAQ? Cause that's a lot of money. Maybe that's why you go to the Seychelles. <laughs> so I think what you would have done is you would have, to get you to get your business up before you do that initial public offering, you would have just had private investors. So you'd have had people that would be owning, you know, there might be four or five or 10 people or a private equity or a small company that might own a small share in, in your business. So there'd only be a handful of owners. And then it's that whole thing about once you go public, it then you're left out, you're exposed to the elements, and then you've got other people who are then have expectations on you as a business. And so the business then changes like their, their perception and their view, they need to be beholden on what the public opinion is as well. So we were saying earlier that as, as that company does better and it's perceived that they're doing better, they've then got more stock value or more people are buying the stocks or there's more valuation in the company. They can then raise more money. They can then innovate. They can do better things and they can then grow that business and make it more profitable. But it can slump the other way where you can be, you can be hit hard by changes that might happen in terms of, you know, raw materials are costing more then it will cost you more to produce things. You then don't produce as much. You don't sell as much. Your investors might get a little bit nervous that you've not managed to sell as much as what you said you would do, yeah. and they then might sell their shares. Or yeah. there could be some bad publicity that comes out. Something that you said might happen doesn't actually happen, or you know, people might find a, some, I don't know, dead animals in your food that you were selling, or whatever it might be, and then that will scare investors, and they're like, "Oh no, is this a sign that the company doesn't know what it's doing?" And then they get scared, and maybe yeah. they want to sell their shares. Very similar to what we were saying about inflation, isn't it? It's just supply and demand. You know, if more people want your shares because of good stuff's happening, then more people want your shares. And then the price goes up, so more people want it and vice versa. Um, You know, I read one thing that you can't control is like investor behavior. Like you can just get people who just, it's got nothing to do with you. You know, they own 50 grand worth of shares in my company, but they want to go on a holiday. So they just randomly sell 50,000 shares. And then- 
suddenly everybody's like, oh, don't they? he sold their shares. Right, I better sell mine. I better get out before they drop. And then, and then that happens. Yes. It's, you know, stuff you can't even control. World events, COVID, you know, that, that would have smashed the shares to pieces in loads of companies. Yeah, massively. Um, like airlines. So airlines that you couldn't mm-hmm. travel. Instantly, everyone's perception was, well, I should really bail out of any of my travel shares because airlines aren't going to do very well this year. I'm not going to get a dividend. I should probably sell all of my shares before someone else does, before the value goes down. And then it's that cyclical effect where they, well, if they're selling them, I should sell them. And then it goes down again and then down again and down again. And it just spirals the other way um, because of things that are completely out of their control. A bit like like when we did cryptocurrency and we were talking about Elon Musk talking about Bitcoin. Yes, yeah. Isn't it? Very similar, you know, that that could, you know, someone like that comes out and just says, oh, we should all buy Liam's company shares. They're going to just sky away. If he says it, they're going to go mental. <laughs> well, it did make me think, actually, about Elon Musk this week. And he's famously bought Twitter, hasn't he? I can't remember how much he bought yeah. it for. It was 52 billion or 54 billion that, towards the end of 2022. So they were listed. They were a listed company. They were a public company and people could own shares in them. And what happened is they were very much being guided. It seemed like Twitter were being guided by people telling them how to run the platform, what their opinions were, and then Twitter would change to be in line with how people wanted them to work. And so that would then affect their share price. What happened is Elon Musk has bought it and now he can do whatever he wants with the company. So he's taken it off the market and it's now down to him. Like the value of it is if he does something bad, like he tried to launch the blue tick thing, it didn't work. He had to pull it and then try and launch it again another eight weeks later. Yeah. If that was done while it was a public company, people would think, oh, hang on. They don't know what they're doing there. This is a little bit volatile. Is this going to come crashing down? Whereas now, because he's the main shareholder and owns it and it's private, it doesn't really have any bearing on it. So there, there are different reasons why people might want to be public or private. Yeah. Um, we haven't missed it out, our listeners, because we normally start with how it started, but we should probably just at least mention how it started, even at a very simple level. There's, it's quite interesting. I, I think I thought that the stock market and the stock exchange must be like a, a technological thing that's been around for like 100 years or something, yeah. or less than that probably. You know, like it came about in like the 60s. And you probably, yeah, maybe probably seen on old films and stuff where you'd have people wearing different colored jackets. They would be like on the floor of the stock market, like shouting out their trade deals to other people. Yeah. That's what the stockbrokers would be doing. And it's all like passing bits of paper to each other. So yeah, it's probably been around for like less than a hundred years, but that's not the case, is it? <laughs> now about 400 years. Like you go back to like the 1600s. Yeah. Yeah. Quite simply though, there was a company called the Dutch East India company. And uh, what they used to do is they had ships loads of ships that would sail around the world selling gold and silk and spices and things like that and they they were getting a bit more elaborate and they needed some money so what they decided to do was they they asked the public to fund it they asked them to basically give us some money in exchange we will give you some money back if we do really well yeah because it was it was high risk so sending these ships out around the world so what, what they would do, and I think we actually talked about this in our Thanksgiving episode and sort of like how, how Thanksgiving sort of came about, where what happened was people would go and go to Connolly's, the 
colonies. They'd go and establish themselves over in foreign foreign lands from Europe. They'd go and take their spices or, you know, take some of their gold or porcelain or whatever it might be, bring it back, and then they'd sell it for a massive profit. But things could go wrong. So either there could be real pirates that might get them or bad weather or ships might get lost or they might just like lose their their um their goods on their ship like stuff might go overboard and that so there was high risk it didn't mean always mean that those ships would come back and it was quite expensive so they they needed some additional investment didn't they yeah more money meant they could go on bigger voyages meant they could go further away and uh and that was essentially it they called them shares you'd, you'd buy them you'd get this little piece of paper that say you own a little bit of the dutch east india company and if they did well they would give you a little cut of the profits but what happened was eventually people realized that they could then sell the share on to somebody else. So if I had this little piece of paper in my hand that says I own the Dutch East India Company and I happen to hear that you want to also buy a share in the Dutch East India Company, I might say, well, George, you want to buy mine off me? Yeah. And then if you really, really want it, I might charge you a little bit more than what I paid for it because I know you really, really want it. And it's worth and more. Then, yeah. Yeah. And then this, this, it just created this, this stock market essentially. And they, they would advertise them in ports and coffee houses around the world. And people would meet up to, to just swap their shares. And that's essentially where it came from. Exactly. Yeah. They didn't even realize what they were creating was a stock market or a stock exchange. It was just, as you were saying earlier, these people on the side were just selling their little bits in the company and deciding I've, I've made enough money or I don't think this will be worth any more. And somebody else is saying, I want to jump on that bandwagon. I want to buy your, your share off you. And it didn't matter to the Dutch East India Company who had the piece of paper. At the end of the year, whoever's got the piece of paper gets a cut of the profits. And obviously, if you're buying it off of me or I'm buying it off of somebody else, you know, I'm banking on the fact that they're going to make some money. Yeah. And then in 1611, the first stock exchange was created because they were from the Netherlands. Dutch East India Complete, the Amsterdam Stock Exchange was created in 1611. And for a very long time, it was the only thing you could trade yes. was Dutch East India yep. shares. Yeah, that's right. Um, and before it then came and then, over uh, and the, the London Stock Exchange was set up. Interesting saying there, the Dutch East India Company weren't fussed about who was buying and selling those shares. That still holds true today. So when we we're talking about the exchanges like the London Stock Exchange and them having revenue of six and a half billion and just over three billion profit. All they care is that people are trading. They don't care if yeah. it's a market that's going up or a market that's going down, if it's good times or bad times. They just need that trade volume, really, to um, yeah. to help them make their money. There's um there's a fancy name for a market going up and down, isn't there? <laughs> yes. I I think you already knew this though, because you you mentioned this term to me. Uh, it, like way when we started doing this last week. Uh, you make sure you find out about this. I don't know if you knew which one was which, but there is a name for up and down markets. Yeah, people might have heard of this. If it's either a bear market or a bull market, these are two things. And so a bear market is somebody who bets on the stock market going down. So they're thinking, well, my share has peaked. If we're using that airline industry in COVID, they're thinking, well, I should sell it now because I think it's going to go down. I think it's going to be a bear market. And then the yeah. other one is a bull market. So someone's thinking, well, the stock market is going to go up. Things are going to get better. 
And so I'm going to make sure that I actually buy some of that stock because I think it's going to improve and go up over time and be worth more money to me. But any idea how or where these names came from? Yep. Etymology, Liam strikes again. So actually, this is, <laughs> someone else has already done this. I just, I just read this from somewhere else. So uh, there were some Spanish knights in California called Caballeros. And they used to, apparently, they used to have bears and bulls would fight each other, grizzly bears. And they realized that bears would swipe downwards in attack. So when a bear attacked a bull, it would swipe downwards, apparently. Yep. So that's why the bear became the downwards trend. Like the, the market's going down, it's getting worse. Uh, and then a bull would like hook upwards with his head. I'm doing it on the camera, but you can't see this. <laughs> and uh, So that's why the bull market became a, a like a positive, like a going up. But yeah. Anyway, can, bear in a bull market. You can sort of see where that comes from and how it makes sense. Yeah, I don't know about <laughs> There's maybe just some little facts and trivia that we should point out that's um that's happened over the years as well with it um there's oh and also just the whole general point that the, the stock market goes through cycles so we've been talking about a bear market and a bull market the trend is that over time the stock market has gone up like continuously it's yeah. like based on optimism and it goes up over time normally is the way and there have been some pretty significant crashes. So there was one in the 1920s where, where people like over-invested in the stock market. There's a huge crash in 1929 that took pretty much all of the 30s to get them back um, to recover from it. There was another significant date called Black Monday in 1987, where people had just bet too much on the stock market and it all came crashing down. It lost 23% the Dow Jones in one day which is enough to cause people into a spiral. And then there might be another ones that, that people will know a little bit more about lately. So with the dot-com bubble that burst, loads of people are piling money in, in the 2000s, early 2000s into internet companies. And yeah. it turned out that a lot of them didn't have that much substance. And so that whole investor confidence was lost and a load of them went boom. And then maybe ones that other people remember is in 2008, where you had the whole mortgage global financial crisis where people were able to get more mortgages without having any commitment behind it. And then it led to a massive recession with the stock market being overexposed again in 2008. But there's there's been some other things. There's, there's other months or facts and trivia around months that are good to, to buy or volatile months based on historical events, isn't there? September and October. Apparently, I, th- I think, let me get right, October is the best month, historically. Stock market does best in October and, and not so good in September. I think that's the right way around. Well, yeah, they do say September is, is the worst month. And they've, they've been trying to figure out why it is the worst month. It could well be that people get back from holiday and stuff in August, and then they think, right, I'm going to sell. <laughs> I'm going to sell yeah. what I had here to pay for my holiday or... I'm going to need to reevaluate what I'm doing or start getting some money ready for, for the winter. And so people think about selling and then it just turns out that more and more people sell um, in September. But yeah, stuff stuff can go up and go down, as we've mentioned. There's some pretty expensive shares. Do you know what the most expensive share is that's out there? Yeah, it's the one to do with Warren Buffett, but I can't remember the name of the company. That's the one. It's uh... the... Um, yeah. So Warren Buffett, if people don't know, he's like considered to be one of the, the best investors all time. I don't know. He must be in his like 90s now. He's been around forever. 
invested well in some companies like Coca-Cola and stuff. But his company is called Berkshire Hathaway. Okay. And you got any idea how much just one share costs Berkshire Hathaway? No idea. Wouldn't know. What would you guess? £10,000. I don't know. It's $476,000 a one share. But is it like a Bitcoin though? Do you think you can buy a little bit of the share? So they so there's they've got two types of shares that you can buy. So these are their class A shares for Berkshire Hathaway, which there aren't as many of them. They're 476,000 a share. They do have some class B shares that are about $300 a share. And then they've they've got millions of those. But yeah, how mad is that? So in in 1992 it was $10,000 a share. Then went up to 100,000 by 2006 and now it's 476,000. Wowzers. Well, maybe I should get me some of those. <laughs> life, saving, life savings in a single stock, uh, one single share of one company. Yeah, putting all your eggs in one basket, that's probably not advised. Nice. Do you have any more facts for us or on to your two guys, one topic takeaway? Oh, well, okay, go on real quick. Do you know the, the third co-founder of Apple, a guy named Ronald Wayne? He had uh, 10% of the shares in Apple and he sold them in 1976 for $800. 10% of Apple now is worth about 35 billion. Whoa. Oh my word, that is painful, isn't it? But is $800 40 years ago worth $35 billion today? <laughs> because of inflation? Yeah. Has it gone up that much? <laughs> Does it really matter? Um, no, okay. My, I do have a nice, I, I've got a, a crazy takeaway to, to believe, I guess. In 2005, there was a Japanese trader. Uh, he was an experienced guy. He tried to sell a single share of stock in a company for 640,000 yen. One share for 640,000 yen. He accidentally sold 640,000 shares for one yen each. Oh, no. He got it wrong by 640,000 times. That's the same as selling $3 billion worth of stock for £5,000. Oh, my word. That's, that's, you know, imagine seeing that come up. You're like, yeah, I'll pay five, five grand for that. <laughs> yeah, knowing <laughs> that it's worth $3 billion. billion. Oh, my yeah. word. I mean, imagine just pressing the wrong keys. on you. That's just like he's on an Excel spreadsheet and he's put the wrong number in which box. He's literally gotten back to front. <laughs> Yeah, it's totally gone wrong. Oh my word, that'd be an awful feeling. Um, okay, I'll tell you my two guys. One topic takeaway this week is all around that the best investors are dead. Okay. So Fidelity, which is a financial institution over in the US, they did like an internal performance review about how um, how investors do, like compared to their day traders. And they looked at figures between 2003 and 2013, and they found that the people who had the best returns were the customers that were either dead or inactive. So they're the people who had either forgotten about their assets or uh. their assets had been frozen or they'd obviously died. And it's the whole idea that because the stock market will go up over time, it's yeah, better just to on. have a long-term view on it rather than trying to yeah. beat the stock market. Try Rather than trying to think, 
I reckon my share has peaked now. I'm going to sell it. Right, it's gone down a bit. Right, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to buy in this other one because I think it might go up and I'm going to try and predict the market. It's so hard to do that. And then once you've had all the fees and everything else that's put on top of it, it obviously takes away some of your profit. That the best performers were the people that were dead, even beating Fidelity's best performing stockbrokers. Wow. All right. So I've just got to die and I'll get more money. Is that what you're <laughs> or just forget about it. I think that's the thing. Not to panic when the market goes all volatile because it will come back. If I pay $400,000 for a single share, I'm not going to forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> and also what we're given isn't financial advice. <laughs> oh yeah, good point. Stuff can go up and go down. Right. That's a pretty cool episode. Yeah, like thank you, Dan. Thanks, Dan, for suggesting that. And thanks for the people that voted for it. So on our Instagram, at Two Guys One Topic, we ran a series of polls um, to see which, which listener choice would win. And yeah, thanks very much, Dan. I'm pleased we finally got around to it. And I can actually hold a conversation. I know a little bit more about the stock market now. Maybe next series we'll do sinkholes because that was the second choice. Oh, yeah. Uh, I quite like that. So was lighthouses. I thought that was quite good too. So if we end up doing either of those, whoever voted for them, we'll find out and uh, we'll, uh, we'll let you know that we're actually doing your choice because we like both of them. Definitely. Um, that sounds good. So what have we got coming up next week then, Liam? So, well, it's the end of the series. So we'll wrap it up, won't we? So what we'll do next week is we will basically, we, we've been throughout the series, every time a piece of news has come up, we've sort of shared it, made a note of it. Uh, we'll basically wrap it up, sum up everything we've learned, pick up any holes. Some people questioning about our knowledge of Marvel uh, to be expected and whether Spider-Man's part of it or not. Uh, <laughs> we had a couple of comments about bananas as well and what we forgot to mention. So we'll, basically, we'll if you were listening, obviously the World Cup's happened. We'll talk about that as well. But yeah, thanks. Yeah, um, thanks, I guess, if you've been listening to these all these episodes so far. Absolutely. Sounds good. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. If you're able to, we'd love it if you could leave us a little review on Apple or give us five stars on Spotify. That'd be really appreciated. Get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts at Two Guys One Topic on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. It's always good to hear from people. So we'll be back next week with our wrap-up episode. But until then, share some stock market knowledge.